Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. What's up, Summit Church? 11 o'clock service, right? Come on, you've had coffee, you've had a meal, so you're ready to go, right? Right? 9 o'clock. I couldn't necessarily say that, but it's good to see you. Welcome all those in the balcony. Uh, I do not preach to a balcony ever, so this will be the first and final time I look at you the entire morning, okay? But uh, we love you anyway, even though you don't want to be close to me, it's okay. Uh, But we're glad that you're all here today. Blairsville, I got to go yesterday and tour your facility down there. It is awesome. If you're here and you've never been down there, I know this is probably your home where you come, but I would just go down there and check it out. It's really cool to see how God is expanding the vision of Summit Church and how he is reaching other communities because of the faithfulness of you. And so if you haven't got a chance to go down and check that out, I would for sure do that. So we welcome you guys and so glad you're a part of our experience today. And uh, speaking of pastor appreciation, uh, you guys have some of the best. Amen. Can we honor Pastor Mel and Kim and just what God is doing here? Um, Anytime I get the chance to, to speak at a different church, I just remind people that what you're experiencing is not normal. Seeing people come to Christ, seeing the church advancing and expanding the kingdom of God. The average church in our country is under 150 people, stagnant, declining. Uh, not growing, and here you are thriving and growing and making a difference. Come on, your worship today, was it awesome, right? I got a little hair envy looking at Kendall up here. I was like, bro, you know, at least I can wear Jordans like you, but I'll never have hair like you or sing like you, but that's okay. But you guys are blessed. If you don't know it, take it from me. You are blessed. You have an amazing pastors and team and got to spend some time yesterday morning with the staff and some of the leaders here at the church, and man, it's such an incredible place. And so honored to be here, honored to have a chance to speak to you, to share God's word with you today. And as Pastor Mel said, we're in a series right now uh, through the book of Romans, and uh, what a letter that was to the church in Rome and how Pastor Mel laid the groundwork of what was happening there and what the Apostle Paul was attempting to do in that letter. Uh, But he, he talked about how God had to deal with sin, right? That sin is not acceptable to God and cannot be a part of what God is doing with sin in our, in our life. And, and so he judges sin and he has to deal with sin. He is a holy God. He is a just God. So there has to be, sin has to be dealt with appropriately, but God so loved you and me that, that he offered his son to deal with it for us. That he gave Jesus and Jesus on our behalf was the sacrificial lamb of God and paid the price for our sins and absorbed the punishment for our sins onto himself so that we wouldn't have to. And I think you can kind of summarize that by by saying this, that there is no what that can save you, only a who. There's no what, you can't earn it, you can't work it out yourself, you can't do anything. Salvation was a free gift from God given to you. A gift can only be received opened, applied to our life, and when we do that, man, there's transformational power that comes in that, and Jesus has saved us from death, but listen, he's also saved us for life. You know, sometimes we get saved, and it's like, cool, I'm saved, and it's, it's almost like we treat it like fire insurance, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to hell anymore, thank God, and that's good, 
You know, like, I'm saved, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm gonna go through hell to get there. And that God didn't come just to save you from death, and, but also for life. And the main idea I wanna talk to you about today and what I believe is kind of a theme throughout the book of Romans is that you are now in Christ, amen? But Christ is also in you. You are in Christ, meaning you've been clothed with the righteousness of God. Think about it this way, that God no longer sees you through the lens of your sins, but sees you through the lens of the sacrifice of his son. That you've been washed white as snow, that the righteousness of God has been clothed over you. You are in Christ, and because of that, it's not nothing you could do, it's nothing you could earn or deserve. It is about what Jesus has already done for you. That's salvation, that's the good news, that's the gospel. But Christ is also in you. The reason you get to go to heaven is because you are in Christ, but the reason you can live a victorious life on this side of eternity is because Christ is inside of you. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection power of God and how the resurrection power can transform you into the person that God has created and called you to be. It's his power through you. But some of us, right, we don't live the victorious life that I believe God has called us to live. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and you may have life more abundantly, that you may have life to the full. And if you aren't experiencing the abundant life of Christ, we have to begin to ask ourselves, why not? Sometimes we treat church as just this transactional moment where we come and check a religious to-do list box and we kind of come and empty our sin bucket just so we can go back and fill it up again. I pastor in an area where we have a lot of Catholic people who were probably raised in the Catholic church and many times even as they're leaving, I'll greet them in the lobby and they'll say, great mass today, pastor. I'm like, mass? Well, did you just call me fat? Is that, is that massive? I, I don't know what you just said. Like, I, I've never been to a mass, you know? I've never been to a Catholic church. I was saved when I was 14 in a charismatic Assembly of God church in the Columbus area, and I, I saw a weird church right out of the gate. Anybody else? You know, I saw a weird church. But sometimes we treat this relationship with God, it's like, Man, I'll never really live the life that I want to live. I'll never be free of some of the struggles I have and some of the sin I've wrestled with and the addiction that we just kind of say victory, a victorious life, a life to the full, a life that's abundantly filled with the, the presence and the passion of God in my life. Like, I don't think that's attainable, and so I just kind of come to church, empty my sin bucket, go fill it up again, and hope I don't die in between. That's not the life God wants for you. You are in Christ, but he's also in you. And because of that, man, we can overcome sin. Sin no longer controls where you go when you die. That's the gospel. That's salvation. But sin doesn't have to control what you do while you live. That you can experience the transformational power of the spirit of God that's living inside of you. Paul was familiar with this wrestling match, this issue that we all can identify with in seasons of our life where we seem to be wrestling with sin. He says this in Romans 7, 
verses 15 and then 18 through 19, he says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Anytime I read this, I, for me, it's like my struggle with, with cake. Anybody else just love cake? Come on, somebody. If cake is in the room, it's like I'm drawn to cake. I love cake. And I know I don't need to be eating that cake. I don't want to eat the cake. But the very thing I know I don't want to do, I always find myself doing. <laughs> eating cake. I mean, I always feel like it's kind of an insult if you go to a birthday party and you don't eat the cake, right? It's kind of like they always tell you if you go on a missions trip and they offer you food, it's like no matter what it is, you have to eat it because it's a great, and I, so that's kind of how I approach cake. Anyways, but this is kind of what he's saying. He's like, I, I want to do what, what I know, but the things I don't want to do, I do. I, man, I hate what I'm doing. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil... I do not want to do this I keep on doing. Why is it that we struggle like this? Paul kind of gets to it. He says, man, it's the sin that's living in me that, that causes me to do this. But when we accept Christ, listen to me, it's no longer sin living in you. It's Christ living in you. And he has given you the power to overcome the sin that we struggle with. You know, Romans and Pastor Mel hit on this last week, laying the foundation, you know, you, you hear right out of the gate that we all fall short, that there's fundamentally no good people, right? We're just bad people who occasionally do good things, that we all fall short of the standard that God had, and again, he offered Jesus to deal with that for us, but, but one of the coolest things to me that illustrates what God did on our behalf and what Jesus has done for us is, is adoption, we have a, a lady in our church, a single mom. She had a, about a 12-year-old daughter, I believe, at the time that she felt called to really begin to foster. And she began fostering a, a, a little boy, and she's since adopted him. She's fostering another baby now, and she's given her life over to this and this cause. And she started a nonprofit called Stitch Together, where she puts backpacks together for kids entering the system because most of the time they don't even have any belongings, a toothbrush, nothing. And she's just given her heart to this and we've partnered with her and get, come alongside her. And to me, it's just such a cool picture. Adoption is, is so cool because, but it, it really illustrates what God did for you and me. You see, as soon as the, the paperwork is signed for an adoption, immediately that child's past is gone. And what's true of their new family is now true for them. The provision of the new family, the the name of the new family, the resources of the new family, the home of the new family now becomes true of them. And this is what God did for you and me, that that we've been adopted into God's family, that, that the provision of God is available for you. The power of God is available for you because you've been adopted as a son and daughter of God. You are in Christ, but man, he is also in you. He's in you. So what do we do with this? Today we're going to look at some practical steps that I believe can help you break free from sins. As as Paul's written in chapter 6 of Romans, there's what I'm calling today three D's to victory. And starting in verse 9 of chapter 6, this is what Paul says. He says, we're sure of this, we're confident in this, that because Christ was raised from the dead... 
He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. He beat death, sin, once and for all, and for all. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. What is true of of Christ is true for you. And if he has defeated death and sin once and for all, he can do that for you, Paul's saying. Goes on in verse 10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. He he died to defeat the power of sin. Sin was rendered powerless. And now you and I, because we are in Christ and he is in us, have the power to overcome sin as well. This is the good news of the gospel. This is how we live a victorious life. And when we believe this, we also have to declare it. I think many of you believe this. You've probably read this before. You know this is true of you. But today I want to tell you that part of seeing the victory over sin in your life is not just to believe it, but to declare it. And that's point one today. You've got to declare that sin is no longer your master. You declare it. And, and, and when I mean declare, I mean audibly speak it out. In Ephesians, Paul writes about the armor that God gives us and the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and he gives us this kind of defense against the enemy, but then he gives us an offensive weapon, right? The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And in this writing, the Greek word that Paul uses, you got the graphe, which is like the written word of God that is used in the Greek, the logos, which is kind of the meaning of that written word of God, and then you have the rhema word of God, which is the audibly declared spoken word of God. And when he's speaking of the offensive weapon that you have to defeat the power of darkness and the power of sin in your life, it is the audibly declared word of God. Not the silently in your head declared word of God. Sometimes you got to get a little bit crazy looking, right? When sin is messing with you, messing with your family, you got to declare the truth of what God says about you about what he says about your situation. And we audibly declare the word of God. I do this in my car. I'm convinced many people think I'm crazy because I'll be declaring who I am in Christ. I'll be declaring the truth of God's word over my life and over my church and over my marriage and over my kids. And I declare who I am. And I declare sin is no longer the master of my life. You gotta declare it. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, in the same way, count. Everybody say count. Come on, if you're online, type it in the chat. Blairsville, say it to each other. Count, one more time. Count. This word count here in the Greek is a mathematical term. It means to to accept, to factor in, and then to believe and to declare. So we are to declare ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We believe it, we declare it, and we do it over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you why that's important in just a few moments. It goes on in verse 12. Do not let, oh, there's a choice. So you could let, but he's telling you don't let it. Don't let sin control the way you live. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. You don't have to allow sin to control you anymore. Don't give in to sinful desires. I want to ask you kind of what your mental approach is to the sin that you're wrestling with in your life. Do you kind of casually approach it? Do we excuse the sin in our life? Do we 
justify the sins in our life where we begin to say things like this, well, hey, you know, I'm just not perfect. Uh, my family's always been this way. My dad dealt with this, my mom, my grandpa, like I'm, I'm just, it's just the way that it is. I'm not, I can't really change. And when you're saying things like that, you're not declaring the truth of who you are. You're identifying your old self. You're identifying the old you, not the new you that is dead to sin and alive in Christ. Not the new you who was in Christ and who Christ is in you. What is your approach to sin? Or do we approach sin not excusing it, but with the mindset and mentality of saying, I'm going to eliminate sin from my life. I'm not going to let it have an opportunity to get into my life. Sin is trying to rule you. Sin is trying to destroy you. And scripture is clear, Paul is clear in Romans, that sin leads to death. It will destroy your relationships. So Paul is saying, why would you go back to the bondage of sin when you are now free in Christ? And the moment you begin to get tempted, the moment you begin to struggle, in that moment, you get to choose, Paul says, how you're going to respond to sin, and your choice has everything to do with the outcome you will experience. Because you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, but whether or not you tap in to the power that he's made available, that's up to you. And as long as you identify with how it used to be, how you used to be, you're gonna to continue to behave how you've always behaved. So you gotta declare, sin is no longer my master. I'm not the old me, I'm the new me. I'm dead to sin, alive in Christ. Proverbs 18, 21 says that your words have the power to bring death or life. And you gotta to begin to speak life over your life. Declare the truth of who you are. You gotta shout it loud enough for every demon in hell to hear. I am in Christ, he is in me. I am new and I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. You gotta declare it. Sin is no longer my master. I'm dead to sin, I'm alive in Christ. The first thing you gotta do to experience victory over sin in your life is to declare it. The second thing you gotta do is then decide not to let it rule in your life. You're declaring who you are and that sin no longer has power over you, but then you have to make a decision to not let it rule. Here we go again in verse 13. Do not let, here we go, do not let, that's a choice. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. You have a choice. You can say no to sin because of the power of sin has been broken. You do not have to let sin rule in your life anymore. You gotta decide, no part of my body, not my mouth, not my, my, my hands, my feet, my eyes, nothing is going to serve sin. Sin is no longer my master. I'm not going to give into it. I'm not going to let it in because I've been freed from the power of sin and I'm not letting sin bring death to my life anymore. You gotta decide that for yourself. It reminds me of a, time friend of I that I worked with at a church and we were going over to watch a UFC fight at some some friend's house and um we approached the door and we ring the doorbell and you know bing bing, and then like immediately you hear like the and I was like that sounds like a big dog he was like it does sound like a big dog and I know 
dog is man's best friend, just not mine, okay? I'm just not a fan. I've never had dogs. My kids would love to have a dog. And I said, as soon as you turn 18 and move out, you can have a dog. But I've never had a dog, so I'm not a big fan. I have a little bit of, you know, tension around them. And my other friend was the same way. And so we walk into this house, and this dog is big. I don't know. I'm not a, some of you are like, well, what kind of dog was it? I don't know. I'm not a dog person, okay? It was just a big dog. And it was barking, and the owner is doing what owners do of like rambunctious dogs that are huge and jump on people. Oh, he won't hurt you. He's fine. He's not. I'm like, he kind of looks like he wants to hurt me, you know? Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a happy bark, you know? I don't know. I think I'm infringing on his territory, you know? Like, what are you going to do here? And my other friend, before the guy could really even say anything, I'm going to reenact it for you the best that I can, okay? I'm not exaggerating it. This is what he did. Out of, as soon as the dog got close to him, he went exactly like this. No, no, you sit, sit. Just like that. I was like, whoa. Like, I'm afraid, but you sound really afraid. And the dog did not listen to him, but the owner did. He grabbed it by the collar, was like, my bad, threw it in the bathroom real quick, shut the door. He was like, thank you. And he walked down to the basement and we watched the fight. Listen. There was no casualness about his relationship with that dog. He drew a line immediately. That's what you gotta do with sin. It's exactly what you have to do. You see it creeping in, no! No! Not in my life, not in my marriage, not with my kids, no! Right? What's your approach to sin? It's very clear, it will destroy you. It will kill you. But oftentimes we're too casual with it. You gotta decide, make a decision. This isn't ruling in my life. He goes on, he says, instead, give yourselves completely over to God. You've been freed. Christ is in you. You are in him. Why would you give yourself to sin when you now have the ability, the opportunity, and the privilege, you couldn't always do it, friend, to give your life to God? They couldn't do that in the Old Testament. They couldn't approach God. They couldn't be an instrument used for God. They'd have to purify themselves to enter in the temple. You can walk in here every Sunday with the freedom to devote and to declare who God is, to to, to give yourself over to God. What a privilege it is to serve God. Why would anybody who's been set free from sin and the imprisonment of sin go back to prison? We just sang about the chains that God breaks. Why would we go pick them back up? Why would we let that back into our life? It's time to quit playing games with sin. It's time to quit being so casual with sin. If you keep messing with sin, I promise you, it'll mess with you. You keep playing with fire, you're eventually gonna get burned. And God sent me here today, maybe for some of you, to sound the alarm, to sound the sin alarm in your life because you've been hitting snooze on sin for a long time. You've just been hitting snooze. And it's not too late yet. It hasn't destroyed your marriage. It hasn't crept in and hasn't been passed on to your kids, right? That you're gonna quit playing games with sin. You're not gonna hit snooze anymore. God's telling you it's time to wake up to the reality of what sin is going to do to you if you don't deal with it. 
So end the affair. It's not just uh, an emotional thing. No, end it. Be done with her. Be done with him. Quit talking to him. Listen, some of you, you got to get rid of your computer. Get accountability or get rid of it. Pornography will destroy you from the inside out. You got to quit playing games with sin. Confess to somebody that addiction, you think it's hid, you think you got it under control, you don't. Eventually it will get you. So get it before it gets you. Confess to somebody. James said we confess our sins to God. Forgiveness comes from God, but healing, freedom comes from talking to somebody else. Confessing our sins to one another. Don't hit snooze on sin. Today you will be held accountable for the words that you heard. God will hold you accountable for what you heard from me today. So deal with it. Decide. I'm not going to let sin rule anymore. So you declare, sin is not my master, man. I have in Christ. He is in me. I'm deciding today. Man, I'm drawing some lines. I'm, 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 I'm defining some boundaries in my life. I'm ending that relationship. Listen, if you go to places and you're constantly pulled down, if you have friends that pull you down to their level, and every time you're around them, you end up drinking, every time you're around them, you do things, those are not your friends. They are pulling you off the path that God has for you. And until you have the strength spiritually, the power spiritually to to resist the temptation, you have to, the Bible says, flee from it. Get away from it. So make that decision. And then the third D to victory is then devote every part of yourself to God. That's what we do. Daily devote every part of our life to God. You see, with the void that sin leaves, you gotta fill it with something beneficial. And I'm telling you this, there's nothing more beneficial than serving in God's kingdom, of giving yourself to the kingdom of God. There's nothing that's more worthy of your time. There's nothing that's more worthy of of your energy. We've been in a series at our church called Eternity. We've been talking about the reality of eternity. I asked our church point blank. I spoke a whole message on hell. They loved it. So excited. It was so uplifting. But I brought the reality front and center. Back to my own life. Back to their life. And maybe to yours today. Friend, hell is real. It's a real place where Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the Bible. He talked about it of being a place of torment of weeping, of gnashing of teeth, of solitude. And people who have not received Christ, friend, that's where they go, not just for a week, forever. So what could be more worthy of devoting our lives to than something that's eternal? We have an initiative in our church that's called 5.26. I'm actually talking about it again next week. If you have a 31-day month, and you sleep eight hours a night. How many of you go, man, I wish I could get eight hours of sleep. That would be glorious, right? We don't. But if you did on average, that would leave you with 526 awake hours a month. 5.26 would be 1% of your awake hours. I challenged our church with this. I said, do you think God's worthy of 1% of your time? 1% of your awake hours. Is he worthy of it? Do you give God 5.26 hours a month? That'd be like, what, three services serving, an outreach event? Is he worthy of 1%? I think he's worthy of it all, don't you? He's worthy of all my time. 
But many of us devote ourselves, not every part of ourselves to God, we devote ourselves to our careers, to our kids' traveling sports teams, to our vacation spots, to the promotion we're chasing after, to that, uh, that, that number in our retirement account. That's what we're really devoted to because devotion isn't what we say, devotion is what we do. What do you do with your time? You show me your, your calendar and your checkbook, I will tell you exactly what you're devoted to. So Paul says, you are now in Christ. He is in you. You declare that sin is no longer your master. You decide not to let sin rule in your life. And then if you really want to have victory in your life, you devote every part of yourself to God. You give him everything. And when you do that, man, you'll experience victory. That's the abundant life that Jesus has invited you to live. Abundant life, full life isn't another vacation. Full life is living for something that's significant. Full life is knowing who you are in Christ and who he's created you to be and leveraging what he's given you for the sake of other people. Some of the most fulfilled people I know are the most devoted people to God. So Paul says this is what we gotta do. Colossians three, he said this, he said you set your sights on a new reality. Your, your life is now hidden with God, and so we don't think about the things of this earth because we died to that. That's not our life anymore, man. We were buried. We buried our old life in baptism. We were raised to new life with Christ, and so then we come up out of baptism with this aim of setting our sights on the reality of heaven, on eternity. Man, it's real, and we can live for eternal things, and he says, and when you do that, Man, when God comes back, when Jesus is revealed to the whole world, guess what you'll get to do? Share in all of his glory. That's an awesome picture, isn't it? When he comes back and we get to share in the glory of God to be a part of his kingdom and one day you and I will stand before God to give an account to, to, to him to, for what we did with what he gave us. And I don't know about you, I wanna hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Kyle, you weren't perfect, you fell short, you had sin still, you messed up. Man, your kids, you know, you blew it sometimes, you weren't always the best dad, you weren't the best husband, but man, you, you devoted yourself. You devoted yourself to me and to my kingdom. You put me first the best that you could. Well done, come on in. Enjoy your eternal reward. Friend, we gotta get our sights back on eternity. We live for the temporal. That house, all the things, the toys, that stuff won't matter. And you have a chance now to invest into eternity into something that you'll get to enjoy forever. So we gotta devote every part of ourselves to God. Jesus said we do this by abiding in him. And John 15, five, he said, I'm the vine, you're just a branch. If you remain in me, I will remain in you and you will produce fruit. Your life will make a difference. It will be meaningful. But if you don't devote to me and part from me, you can't do anything. It's his life through you that really makes the difference. Kendall's gonna come and close out our time together this morning, but you gotta start every day declaring, sin is not my master. Jesus is my master. He's my Lord. He's my savior. I'm deciding today to not let sin rule in my life, but instead I'm gonna devote every part of my life to God. I'm gonna give him everything that I am, all that I have, 
and allow my life not to be an instrument for sin, but now an instrument for righteousness. Paul said, you can be used to advance the kingdom of God. And in Romans 12, it's my favorite chapter of scripture, and the first couple verses are my favorite verses of scripture. I love the picture that Paul paints here. Hear the words of Paul today, therefore, he says, I urge you. Think of the words, I urge you. He's looking, he's writing to these believers. He's like, I urge you. It's almost like he's trying to get their attention. He's grabbing them by their their shirt a little because I urge you, man, you, you gotta get this. You gotta understand this. In view of his mercy, what's the mercy of God? It's the gospel, it's what Jesus did, right? Though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be his. He humbled himself. He became a servant. He became like the very ones he created and allowed his own creation to kill him so that you would never have to experience death. That's the mercy of God. He says in view of his mercy, in view of what Jesus did for you, your only reasonable response to what Christ did on the cross for you is to offer your life, everything that you have, as a holy sacrifice to God, that it would be pleasing to him, that it would honor him. He said, this is what worship truly means. Worship isn't three songs on a Sunday morning, friend. It's daily devoting ourselves to the kingdom of God. It's daily surrendering. It's, It's declaring. It's deciding. It's devoting ourselves. And he says, in the way that you do this, The way that you become new, he says, you don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. You don't chase what the world says will fulfill you. You don't chase after these things, he says, but you gotta be transformed by renewing your mind, changing the way that you think. You see, too many of us have bought the lie of the enemy and we keep telling ourselves the same old lie. It's like a one-hit wonder that's on repeat. He keeps dragging your past up and your mistakes and your shame, and he keeps replaying those things in your life, and he starts telling you stuff like this all the time. You're not good enough. You can't really change. You'll never experience that. God won't be able to use you. He really doesn't have a purpose for your life, and you've heard it so long. You've thought it so long. You've believed it so long that it just becomes the default of your life, even sitting here today in Blairsville or in online and in this room, you're sitting here going, man, I just, you're hearing it. I'm, I'm, giving, you, I'm giving you all I got. I'm passionate. <laughs> but you're going, ah, I don't think that's for me, man. I'm, I'm still going to do that. I can't get over that. It's just who I am. And it's, your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. And Paul says, you, gotta, you wanna be transformed? You wanna be transformed so that you can live the victorious life? You gotta start changing the way that you think. That's where it starts. Because what we think determines who we eventually become. If you think you won't, listen, you probably won't. But if you think you can, you probably will. The power of our thoughts. This is not just scripture, science has backed this up. Dr. Caroline Leaf has renowned scientist and neuroscientist and author and counselor. She's amazing. I encourage you to read some of her stuff. And she talks about how we have billions of pathways. They're called neural pathways in our brain. 
And the more often you think a thought, the easier it is to think a thought again. And so for some of you, you've got these pathways in your brain and they're paved and they're smooth and you default to the negative. You default to the old you. But the coolest thing about the way God made us and what Paul is talking about here is that you can literally change the way you think, that you can begin to pave new pathways in your brain by doing exactly what I taught you today. Being proactive to discipline yourself, to declare out loud who you are. And the more you speak it out loud, the more you do it, the more, the more pavement you're laying in your mind. And eventually you start believing it and it begins to transform the way you approach life. It, it transforms your mentality in life and all of a sudden you used to be negative, you're positive because you've been declaring the truth about who you are, the truth about who God is. And so today I wanna to practice this with you. I wanna help you and equip you with some tools today as you walk out of this place to begin to do some things on a daily basis of declaring the truth of God. And instead of believing, man, I can't do it, I won't do it, I'm not good enough, you begin to declare, I am a child of God. I am in him and he is in me. I am more than a conqueror and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now inside of me. And you audibly speak that out loud. So today, would you just say this with me? Say, I am. Come on, say it like the power of God is in you. Say it like I'm saying it. Say it so that every demon can hear it. Say, I am. I am. You are. You are. Instead of I can't change, instead of I can't do it, man, I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who is strengthening me. The power of God is in me. I am a child of God, and I can do what he's called me to do. Come on, say it with me. Say, I can. That's so much better than the first time. I can. I am. I can do this. Instead, I'm just not sure if I can make a difference with my life, and I'm just not sure if, if, I, if I can do it. Man, I'm not, it's, it's, not, it's no longer I hope. I, man, I'm, I'm praying. No, 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 no. I am. I can and I will be the leader that God's called me to be. I will be the leader of my family. I will lead my kids. I will be the spouse that God's called me to be. I will be the servant of God he's called me to be. Man, I'm gonna devote myself to his kingdom. I will do it. It's no longer I hope I will or someday I will. I will do it. Come on, say it with me. I am. I can. And I will. Because he is. He is. Not you. You can't do it. And it's okay to admit that, God, I can't, but you can. So Lord, here's permission, go ahead. Use me. You declare it. You make a decision. And then you devote every part of yourself to God. And friend, if you do that, Paul says, you will live in victory. Come on, I can, I will. I am a child of God. I can do what he's called me to do. I will accomplish his purpose for my life, not because of me, but because of the one who lives inside of me. Every day, I am. I can. And I know I will. Because if God is for me, who could be against me? Amen? Come on, give him praise today. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me and give you a moment here today. And if you're watching, please just hang with us for a moment longer.
But maybe you're here and you'd say, I'm not in Christ. Man, I am tangled up in sin. I've allowed sin to rule in my life. God is not ruling, sin is ruling. It's not even just a wrestling match. I've tapped out, I've given into it. It's ruling in my life. And today God sounded the alarm. He's saying it's time to deal with it. The Bible says sin separated all of us from God. Paul said it all falls short. But the cross of Jesus Christ bridged the gap that separated you from God. And today, if you will take a step of faith to meet Jesus at the cross, to surrender your life to him, it says, scripture is clear that he'll meet you right where you're at, that when you approach the throne of God, you're not gonna be condemned, you're not gonna be scolded, you're gonna receive grace, you're gonna receive mercy. And as you surrender your life to God and put your faith in him, he's gonna fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit. And the transformational power of God will take up residence in your life and give you the ability and the strength and the determination to live for God, to pursue his plan for your life. So today, if you're watching or you're here in the room and you'd say, that's not me right now, but man, I wanna make sure, one, that my eternity is secure in him, but man, I don't just wanna be saved from death, I wanna be saved for life. I wanna live out the plan of God for my life, the calling of God for my life. God wants to meet you where you're at today, but as a sign of surrender to him, that that's where you're at, I believe there's something powerful that happens when we respond physically to what God is speaking to us internally today. But if that's you, and you'd say, Kyle, that's where I'm at, would you pray for me? I wanna lead you in a simple prayer of faith today. But as a sign of surrender, that that's where you're at right now. If you're serious, you mean it. You're not hitting snooze today, you're surrendering. Just lift your hand up right now. Say, Kyle, you're talking to me. Pray for me, I see you back here. I see you over here, over here. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you, sir. Over here. Anybody in the balcony? Say, Kyle, it's me. Would you pray for me? I see you. Thank you. He loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's waiting for you to come home. He's ready. Are you ready? I see you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Amen. Amen. Church family, Blairsville campus, everybody here in this room, would you just repeat this after me as we receive Christ today? Say, dear Jesus, today I believe that you're the son of God, that you died for me so I can live for you. I surrender all that I am to you and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, come on, the Bible says all of heaven's rejoicing for those who made that decision today. We rejoice with you. I'm gonna invite you to stand at this time and hand it back over to our hosts at our campus in Blairsville. But for the rest of us, I just wanna invite you to just to allow the Holy Spirit to just to do what he needs to do in this moment. My words can't change you. But the Holy Spirit, man, if you'll give him some space today, I believe he wants to set some of you free. I believe he wants to fill your heart with hope and with his promises of who you are and who he is and that you can experience victory over sin in your life. That, I mean, God can transform you. You can be free. You don't have to stay the way you are. And Kendall's gonna lead us in this song that just talks about seeing the victory of God in our life, that we believe, man, what the devil meant to destroy you, that God is gonna take that and turn it around and redeem it and use it for your good and for his glory. A life surrendered to God, a tool in his hands can make an incredible difference. Would you do that with me today? Father, we, in these closing moments, invite your Holy Spirit to come once again. God, empower us today. Fill our hearts with hope. 
God, that we would know that we can be who you've called us to be, that we can do what you've called us to do, not because of who we are, but because of who you are and the spirit of God that's living in us. In Jesus' name.